by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. Referees, in another Chiefs pod, which unfortunately is not a win, but boy, do we have so much content for you today. It may not be content that uh, that makes our heart warm, but uh it's it's gonna be pretty fiery today so but but before we get too fiery why why don't why why don't we ease our way into it reese reese how are you today what what have you been up to how is your weekend Uh, i'm doing all right i mean weekend could have been better for a multitude of reasons but other than that you know it's just been kind of a same old same old week uh you know fun fact uh this evening I actually saw in the flesh friend of the podcast, Free State Brewer, Jordan Williams. Hey, how's Jordan doing? He's doing pretty well. He's doing pretty well. Uh, he came into Boulevard because uh, his girlfriend, who also works at Boulevard, uh, she is going to be leaving us. So this is kind of like her going away party. Oh, no. Where's she gone? Uh, she's actually going to uh, she's gonna go work at KU. She, she got another job working oh, at Lawrence. Cool. So. Yep, nice, she's su- nice. super cool. But uh, it was it was cool seeing Jordan in person, man. We haven't really chatted since uh, I think we did our podcast interview, you know, eight months ago or whatever it was. So, Jeez. yeah, super cool, dude. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on at Free State, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Awesome, awesome. And and for ladies and gentlemen out there, if you haven't seen that podcast yet, make sure you go back to our archives to see all the beer interviews that we have one of which was Jordan from Free State. And that was actually a really good episode. We heard a lot of great stuff. Um, uh, for those of you that haven't heard it, you're going to want to hear it because there is there is one cool story about a, a tornado almost hitting the brewery, which was pretty wild. So stay tuned for that. Reese, what are some other ways that people can catch us on social media? You can catch us on Instagram and Facebook at Fountain City SM. And you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash fcsm where you'll find outtakes bonus episodes and exclusive beer reviews awesome and we're also going to give into the man that's right we are we are giving in and gonna expand our social media to other platforms very soon i won't say which because i'm not really sure how it's going to work yet but uh yeah we're about to expand have some more stuff on on social media so check it out whatever platform that you use like subscribe tell your buddies because we're just getting bigger and we're just getting started. Getting- um, all right. What did I do this week? Oh, so I was supposed to go to Glenwood Springs. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a mountain town that's on the uh, west side of Denver. Well, it's actually very far from Denver. It's about three hours away. Uh, so my wife and I were making our way over. We, we did a pit stop in Frisco where Outer Range Brewery is. One of my favorite breweries and honestly one of, one of the best out there. Um, and as we stopped there had a had a beer had a great time and then when i put the directions in to go to uh glenwood so from frisco to glenwood's only an hour i put in the directions it says five and a half hours and i'm like oh no and i look at my map and the road had closed like as we were having lunch and apparently what had happened there was a 17 car pileup. i don't know what the reason was because the weather wasn't too bad but 
on those roads and if there's a lot of traffic if some guy hits their brakes and some guys really close by i mean the the uh the uh, chain reaction there is very quick up in the mountain so i'm assuming that's what happened hopefully everyone was okay there uh so we couldn't go up we couldn't go up the mountain so we headed up to idaho springs instead and reese you're familiar with idaho springs though it's only five minutes away from central city yeah man home of time did you, did you ever get to go down to idaho springs when you did the program in central city oh yeah i did, I did my laundry to idaho springs there was a, a laundromat across the street from tommy knockers yeah man you drove all the way down to idaho springs to do your laundry yeah back in uh i'm trying to think i don't think medhouse where we were staying had a washer dryer uh and you know it was nice to like go down the mountain it was, it's like what a, a 10 12 minute drive into idaho springs uh it's a little farther it's like 20 minutes i think didn't they also have a decent grocery store didn't they have like a decent uh safe oh yeah, or something? yeah no, they have like yeah kia safeway king supers yeah mm-hmm. yeah idaho springs is a lot better but i didn't know you guys had to go down because uh, now in the offices they actually have a washer and dryer that people can use i think they have multiple ones now but that sucks they didn't when you were there yeah <laughs> I, I think they had like a washer and dryer and i think like one or two of the houses young artists could stay in had washer dryers but it's just like you know i'm not gonna coordinate going to someone else's house to be washing <laughs> machine stuff so yeah i just went down to idaho springs there was like a little deli that had like a yoga studio in it too that had like pretty good shakes and uh yeah idaho springs is very charming very charming nice nice yeah i know we had a good time so we spent we spent the night there so it was a shorter trip but it was fun it brought a lot of beer back which i will be reviewing later on in the podcast but before we get to that reese let's talk about actually no we gotta talk about something else um let's update our fans about our fountain fantasy because we are in the last week of the championship week so for those of you that don't know our winners consolation or sorry our winners championship is actually two weeks long we didn't talk about it last week um in the losers bracket we are uh definitely the losers we uh lost let's see where are we i think we're down 70 points going into the losers championship round mm-hmm. where are we at do 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 two three okay so yeah so um so alex fort wayne gmc jimmy's is beating us 232.5 points to 171.8 points Oof. Uh, was not a great showing by us or by anyone on our team but he, he has a pretty loaded team he's got Aaron Rodgers Jonathan Taylor Elijah Mitchell um, well I guess it's not super loaded but loaded enough um, so anyway so he is kicking our butt but hopefully next week uh, Jalen Hurts might like show up again and be a good quarterback Shut but up. I don't think that's going to happen so uh, so there goes our losers championship probably not going to do well but let's let's go to uh let's let's give the champions their due reese so let's see who is in the championship i just had it and lost i it believe it second. is uh i believe it's karen rogers and stone cold chief austin's team correct stone cold chief austin and karen rogers right now it's a nail biter and there's a reason why it's a nail biter hold on let me go to the box score real quick so right now in the first week of their championship we had stone cold chief austin 96.9 points and karen rogers 91.1 points Mm. and the reason why it was so close reese stone cold chief austin decided to bench jamar chase oh man what were you thinking stone cold chief austin dude what 
in the world, dude? That's rough. Didn't he also have somebody else on his team that had put up like 20 or 25 that he had on the bench? He had DK Metcalf on the bench as well, and DK had 27.9 points. That's right. He also had Trey, Trey Lance was actually a pretty good pickup. He left Trey Lance on the bre- on the bench. He had 19 points, and Dare Agumbawale had 13.8 points, all of which were on their on his bench. <laughs> Not and then we haven't even gotten to Jamar Chase, which we'll get to. But before we get to that, he had Antonio Brown oh. in his wide receiver two over DK Metcalf. And for those of you that follow football, saw that Antonio Brown actually quit on his team mid game, which I've never seen before in my life. Someone just quit during the game and then decide to walk off the field, take off most of their clothes and then wave the fans goodbye, uh, un- which is also weird. And we can monitor this Reese, but the bucks have not released Antonio Brown yet. He's still, he's still on the team. Yeah. I I've heard some theories behind that. I have heard some of it being, they don't want other teams to pick him up, which I guess, you know, sort of makes sense. But at the same time, uh, I think we all know how this ends. Tom Brady is going to, you know, pull some alligator tears out of his pocket and beg for a fifth strike for him and uh, be like, he's a good guy. I just really need him to play wide receiver number two right now because I really don't like Mike Evans. Hot take. I think if if Tom Brady convinces Bruce Arians to start Antonio Brown again, this is Bruce Arians' last job (laughs) because for him to be that much of a pushover with all the controversies with AB, AB quitting on his team and then not having him, it's it's a that is a big deal. So if if Tom Brady pushes him over, I don't know if anyone hires Bruce Arians after the after the Brady retirement. Well, I'd love to see some like serious backbone of Bruce Arians. Just be like, you know what? No, like for for the sake of character and for the sake of everything, it's like no. I, I gave him more than one chance. You know, I'm not going to give him like a second more than one chance incident. You know, it's like this was unacceptable. You know, he's not good for the team. I don't care how well he plays. I'm standing on my grounds here. He's not playing again. And you know what? Why don't we judge Tom Brady now? Tom Brady just has Mike Evans. So if Tom Brady can pull a rabbit out of his hat and make it all the way to the Super Bowl with Mike Evans, then I'll say, you know, Tom Brady is is goat worthy (laughs) for not having Chris Godwin officially and Antonio Brown. I mean, I suppose. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what their playoff bracket looks like. You know, they're probably going to have to go to Lambeau again if Green Bay makes it. I mean, if Green Bay does make it that far off to go to Lambeau. But, uh, you know, it's they're going to be what is the second seed? Probably uh, the Bucks right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, actually. I think they are because I think the Rams are still like a game or two <laughs> behind them because of their slow start. But yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. This, this Bucks team isn't as scary as it was last year because last year they got hot in the back half of the season. This year's Bucks team seems to be like escaping games and really, really injured right now. So. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. kind of tough to tell where they are. Yeah, this is like, all right, Tom Brady, if you are the GOAT, then you're going to have to really pull this one out of your hat. Yeah, and they don't have Leonard Fournette, so you have to run with Ronald Jones. Well, Ronald, oh, wait, no. Ronald yeah, Jones yeah, got you injured, too. Ronald Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah, so now they just have uh, uh, something Vaughn. Scotty Miller. I forgot his first name. <laughs> yeah, Scott, hey, Scotty Miller, now's, now's your time, Mr. Usain Bolt. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Let's see if you can, you can run... <laughs> And bulldoze some people out there, Scotty. Yeah, dude. Because Scotty does not know that he is not the fastest in the NFL. All to all to go back to Stone Cold Chiefs Austin's team. So Antonio Brown had four points. He could have easily put in DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf there at twenty-seven. 
but he also had Jamar Chase, who we're going to talk about very quickly or very soon, not quickly. We'll probably talk about this slowly, unfortunately, but Jamar Chase put up 50.1 fantasy points. Uh. If Stone Cold Chief Austin would have started um, him and DK Metcalf, he would be up almost 80 points of Karen Rogers. He is only five points ahead of Karen Rogers right now. If he would have started DK Metcalf and Jamar Chase, I think he would have beaten our team this week alone on that, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we had a little more points than that, didn't we? How many points? We had 72 points. Let's see. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah, he would have beaten us. He would have beaten us. <laughs> 77 to 72. Good Lord. Oh, that would have been savage. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Gosh, our team's awful. So anyway, so this keeps Sam in contention for the Fountain Fantasy Championship trophy. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week, uh, because that will be the finale. And then, unfortunately, our Fountain Fantasy will be over. Uh, for those of you that have been following that are not a part of our Fountain Fantasy, give us a DM and say, hey, I would love to be in next year, and maybe we'll squeeze you in. Yeah. All right, Reese, let's continue uh, to what we are dreading to talk about. The Chiefs loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. We lost 34 to 31 in a inexplicable fourth quarter and most of that game. Now, Reese is refer Reese, and, and we don't call him that just because it kind of rhymes with his name, but we call him that because Reese is very passionate when refs mess up. And I'm more on the side of, you know what? Like, if if the refs are a part of the game and like contributing to it, there's always something else. So I try to focus on the other half, but Reese, the Bengals gained over 60% win probability from penalties in their week 17 win over the chiefs. It was the third largest win percentage gain from penalties in any NFL game this year. So when you talk about that type of analytics, where we talk about penalties and probabilities for winning 60% win probability on penalties alone. Okay. It's time for referees to have the floor because this was a legitimate reason why we lost this game. The floor is yours. So here's the thing in a game where you get blown out, you know, let's say you lose by like 17 points or what did we lose last year in the Super Bowl? We lost by like 23 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, Three scores. officiating sucks. Officiating can put you behind the eight ball, but that is officiating is not why you lose games like that. Be it, you know, bad, be it lack of calls, be it whatever. In a game decided by three points where one team has four drives extended resulting in 24 points thanks to ticky tack first down penalties and you lose by three yeah i think it's safe to say that the officiating had a hand in that one now i know you can always point back to things and be like well you shouldn't put it in a position where the officials can affect the outcome of the game well guess what you know like unfortunately sometimes that's just the way that the cookie crumbles and in a big game situation like this yeah you can point back to things the chiefs could have done differently like spags not calling a cover zero blitz on fourth and 27 or you know i don't know maybe double teaming jamar chase once throughout this game who had an all-time game sure of course but yeah we'll yep we'll get to that but when it came down to brass tacks you got to look at how how the, the officiating really affected the turning points in this game. Uh, going into halftime, we returned a kickoff that had a late, 
holding flag thrown deep and the replay showed the holding occurred well after byron pringle ran by that dude so if you expect that dude to like shed a block and then chase down byron pringle 15 yards away from him at that point you know that's that's kind of on you you're wrong and at that point if my math is correct it would have been 35 to 14 going into half correct right game's over Game's over. Chiefs put up a field goal, make it 38 at any point. Bengals weren't going to wind up scoring 38 in that game. So the fact that the officiating had a swing of 24 to 7, you adjust that at all, even make it half of that, 12 to nothing, let's say, the Chiefs still win that game. Very close games like that are decided by officials when they decide they want to throw ticky-tack flags and allow sixth and goal. Yeah, I don't understand why the refs have the incentive to do so when they know they're being consistently wrong about this because like the the media is going to burn them. The players are going to inadvertently burn them, right? Uh, Andy Reid said he couldn't talk about it because he didn't want to get fined. Joe Burrow at the end of the game conceded and said, well, we got some calls. Three times I mean, what, he said like, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, props, props to Joe Burrow knowing that he was not the sole reason Jamar chase was not the sole reason why they won that game so good good job young gun but I don't understand what the incentive is for the refs because they're obviously going to be in trouble with their superior in closed doors right is it is is someone superior going to say hey pretty good job don't worry you have full autonomy no we're going to remember who these refs are we're going to remember uh where they're going to be um not in like a way that we're going to harm them but i'm saying like (laughs) like these refs are going to ref in playoff games and we're going to know that and we're going to commentate on that and people are going to be holding them to a very a very small margin of error because of all these things so i just don't understand why after a couple of these where you know that you got them wrong you just keep going up until fourth and freaking goal you call a boneheaded play in the fourth quarter i mean i i just don't get it reese the the reason is and i'm gonna go back i want to jump in but i'm gonna the, the fact about you saying are they going to be held accountable and no that's the big thing they're not going to be held accountable for almost all of these officials they're just playing dress up and moonlighting for a part-time job they're no different than a karen staying at home running like a pyramid scheme i mean this i'm serious they, they have no accountability because their job's on the line okay well guess what a lot of these referees are high class lawyers part of you know running big companies or big law firms and they literally just do this on the side when in reality for a multi-billion dollar industry like this your officials should be watching game film they should be critiqued they should be having to attend seminars they should have to have like a minimum number of games called and maintain a specific grade in order to be considered nfl caliber officiating it's crazy how much more in-depth officials have to go and say like english premier league soccer than they have to go in the nfl and that's why i don't think you're going to see any changes on any of these also to note reese i don't want to get too off of what you just said but i just read this um on sorry on week 17 last weekend there were 11 unscheduled substitutions at referee with one of ours being ron torbert 
who was not scheduled to be on there and who knows how late he got the call to be scheduled on there i don't know who he is i don't want to pit i don't want to do this whole podcast looking at like what his resume is but for 11 unscheduled referee things to happen i don't know what the prep is before you become a referee that week and you're doing a game what you've alluded to it looks like there's not a lot of prep work that goes into it but there had to have been some that this guy missed or maybe this officiating squad if they were if some people were substituted unscheduled that weekend there had to have been some flaw there as well which is which is unacceptable when it comes to something as as um climactic or as important as this chiefs should have been a win right because if we win this then we can then we can coast against the broncos right and then we get a week off which we desperately need right orlando brown needs it mike remmers needs it uh i think lucas Nying is out out but um kyle long needs it right our offensive line needs that extra break so for us to, to lose this game primarily because of the refs makes us have to give it our all against the Broncos and then we have to give it our all in the wild card game assuming that the Tex um, that the Titans don't lose to the Texans so it's huge like the implications are huge and something like an unscheduled substitution of referees is unacceptable and just stupid well and part of it too really rubs me the wrong way because it feels like the same uh, different side of the same coin as to when the Chiefs played the Rams back in 2019 and at the last minute after flexing the game out of Mexico the NFL decided to assemble this quote-unquote all-star crew of officials that had never worked a game together but they had like a combined x number of games between them and they really were like an all-star crew and we saw just how disjointed and terrible the officiating was in the first quarter in particular that game until the league got in their ear and said yo tone it down and they literally kept the flags in their pockets and they the really they really toned it down they did <laughs> they did but i mean that just shows the importance of having crews that know each other having crews that know what they're doing and just building teamwork through those crews we got to take the naruto approach on this man you have to have like squads that start together and stay together for a long time time because i mean you you saw it twice in this game i don't know which side judge it was but misplaced the ball pretty egregiously on that yeah on -hmm. the Bengals' first drive uh i don't know who it was but he got tackled a good like yard and chain short of the stick and i'm like okay good fourth and one they probably won't go for it and all of a sudden i see him lining up for another play and andy has to like throw the challenge flag and when they come back to reviewing it they're like oh yeah he was like a yard and a half short i'm like yeah no crap then later on in the game, when uh, when Josh Gordon got that first down pass for us late in the third quarter, I'm like, okay, good. He caught that right at the marker. That's a first down. And like the same side judge marks the ball half a yard short. And the other side judge has to like run up and be like, nope, nope, move it, move it. It's like, <laughs> you know, I suppose, uh, what's the other side of Occam's razor? It's like never imply malice in situations that can be explained by incompetence. But, man, does the league really get the benefit of the doubt in this situation? I don't know. I don't feel like it. I feel like officiating's at a crisis right now. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's not just us, right? We've, we've seen it throughout the, especially the past couple of weeks, I've seen it a lot in national media. So I'm sure it's COVID related. I'm sure we have, you know, ref B, C, D from the like G leagues of refs coming in because of COVID outbreaks within their community. So I understand that, but you have to have proper training for something like this when when this is a multi-billion dollar organization and the reason why a team loses and we're talking huge playoff implications you know a percentage of the loss is because of the refs with a multi-billion dollar organization it's just it's inexcusable right like if 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 McDonald's decided that they were going to get, well, actually, this is a really bad example because I'm sure they do get just whoever to, off the street. But even these people off the street have to have proper training to make McDonald's function. Like, yes, the the uh, the uh, McFlurry machine doesn't work, but that's on the McFlurry machine, right? It still functions, right? No matter how chaotic a McDonald's gets, you're still going to get your meal at the end of the day. But it's almost as if it's like, oh, only... Uh, only two thirds of our of our customers are going to get their meal. The rest of them will either get you know the wrong meal or just nothing at all, which is kind of what this is. Like I know we're comparing apples to oranges here, but it's very very similar, right? Because you are predicting or you are um, you are responsible for the outcome of a nfl game right this isn't ncaa this isn't pop warner we're talking billions of dollars into this one game yeah so yeah just awful inexcusable well and the thing that's killing me too is that mike Pereira even came on uh he came on 610 this week and in an interview they're like so how'd you feel about the officiating in this game he goes uh, I really didn't like how this game was called. He's like, it was too ticky-tack. Uh, they were extending drives that shouldn't have been extended. Uh, and then he even pointed out, and this is one thing I caught too, yeah, twice on the Bengals' game-winning drive, there were false false start calls that were not called. One straight-up wasn't called on the goal line, which would have made it third and six and changed the entire dynamic of what we do that play. And earlier on in the drive... Chris Jones got called for encroachment when Joe Burrow straight up false started egregiously. And people say, well, you can't, you don't call false start in a quarterback. Uh, yeah, exhibit A, Mahomes against the Broncos a couple weeks ago when he got called for false starting out of the shotgun formation without even lifting his head up. It's, it's insane. <laughs> and the thing is, this is the ripple effect on those. Had they called that false start on Joe Burrow, it would have been fourth and six from right around midfield. I would be willing to bet you Cincinnati does not go for it on fourth and six when if they turn it over, we are A, right in field goal range, eat up the clock, kick a game-winning field goal. B, Patrick Mahomes puts a touchdown on you from midfield. So that is what makes this game so frustrating and why the officials had their fingerprints all over it. And this was not a one-call-change-the-game sort of thing. This was not even a two-calls-change-the-game sort of thing. This was to the tune of six first-down-extending penalties on four drives, resulting in 24 points. Jamar Chase doesn't put up his numbers. Joe Burrow doesn't put up his numbers. Our defense essentially has four turnovers taken away from them because of all those first down extending penalties bada bing bada boom and that was a referee's sermon right there 
with a lot of juice, a lot of fire. Uh, we will continue the fire, Reese, in the next segment when we talk about Spags. We will talk about Jamar Chase. We will talk about Joe Burrow. Wasn't planning on talking too much about the offense. Um, I know Darrell Williams played really well, 14 carries, 80, 88 yards with two touchdowns. We'd love to see him. I'm kind of excited about a Darrell Williams, Derek Gore one-two combo now. Uh, we'll see what happens. And look, like you said, Reese, if we get the ball back, Patrick Mahomes was balling. Right, two touchdowns, 259 yards, um, no sacks. The the offensive line for as damaged as they were, we were very good. I guess there were some pressures, but anyway, I actually liked the way that our offense was. You have something to say, Reese? Yeah, I you know I want to throw one more refereeing thing in on there. That makes it so important because I know you said the offense is balling, and some people say, well, they really shut down in the second half with only three points. Ah, no, 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 no. Again, let's break down these three points in the second half. The Kansas City Chiefs had three drives. Why did they have three drives? Because the Bengals' drives kept getting extended when we had held them on third down stops. Number two, one of our drives was cut short because Tyreek Hill was taken out mid-route in a holding call that they decided not to call on third down, so we had to punt. So instead of it being like, you know, field goal, punt, punt, or something like that, or if we had four drives, field goal, punt, 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 then the offense stalls. The offense never had time to get out of the garage in the second half. Field goal, yeah. drive stopped because officials decided not to call holding for us and then punt. That's not terrible. That's just circumstances. Yeah, Chiefs uh, first drive only three minutes, second drive about three minutes again, and then the field goal drive was uh, just over five minutes, where conversely, the Bengals, their last drive was six minutes long. Before that, four and a half minutes, and then their, um, their third drive was five and a half minutes. So they were just eating clock eating clock right our for our that uh those first two punts combined 12 plays six plays each where you juxtapose that to the Bengals' last drive 15 plays yep unbefreakingleavable we can talk about this for hours reese but it's gonna make me more thirsty and more thirsty so it's time to stop for a beer how about that all right i'll calm down with the crispy boy Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with your favorite segment. That's right. We are at the beer review, and this week in craft beer, we will talk about a new story in craft beer, and then we will also review a delicious craft beer. Um, I actually have the um, the uh, article today. I know Reese loves his list. This list is a little bit better. There's nothing like too sad about anybody that we like, which is nice. Yeah, that's uh, good. but this is the uh, f- this is the 50 best beers of 2021 according to Brewers. Ooh. So they surveyed. I don't know how many brewers, but they cite them all and just talk about what is your favorite beer. So I thought I'd go down the list and just uh, some breweries that we have reviewed or breweries that we know are on this list and uh, give everyone a shout out. And also, if you have any of these in your local liquor store, try them out. I, I got to ask, are these like actual accredited brewers? It's not like, hey, my name's Tim Scraggins and I homebrew and I'm a Cicerone, <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, this article was actually shared by Skip at Weldwork, so oh, okay. I think it's real. All right, if Skip, <laughs> I think if it's Skip real. shared it. <laughs> 
yeah i was on skip's instagram and i was like oh that looks i was like and if skip shared it okay all right i guess it's real so yeah no and actually going right, down the right. list there's some really good really good beers on here uh, one of which uh russian river blind pig inaugural ipa which i did not review on here we we did blind the elder uh but blind pig is a uh, very similar it's um i think it's a double dried hop of pliny basically uh you know so what? that's now a great beer it, that may have been the russian river that joel popped for my birthday last year that sounds really familiar oh yeah so blind pig and the pliny are the two like standards pliny is the more popular one but blind pig is a very good ipa okay cool 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 was that was that number 10 um they actually don't list them they just list 50 in general so okay cool carry on one of the 50 another one outer range outer range is native land uh which i never tried unfortunately when i went to the brewery they were sold out of it it was one of their releases in november uh but this beer is uh, a single ipa um i forget what hops are in it but it was to attribute and to the native american heritage month and i i guess they gave a portion of their money to native communities so that was really cool and apparently the beer was really really good um so for those of you who don't know outer range frisco uh, colorado in fact our uh, our good friend Coldstone chief austin was just out here he said he was at outer range a couple weeks ago because his sister owns a bed and breakfast in a neighboring town so that oh, was cool kind of cool Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, here's a brew that I, I have not talked about on the podcast, but I want to go to. It's called Cohesion. It's in Denver, and they have four beers listed on this list. They're the only ones that I see that have a ton of, of people that have like keep talking about these these guys. Um, so Cohesion is a, is a Czech uh, style brewery. So if you think of like Bierstadt, the German style, this is like one of the only Czech style breweries. So they have these incredibly clean lagers. There's four of them on here. They all look the same to me, but apparently they're all different. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to go to Cohesion and have me a day. Interesting. Okay, cool. And one brewery out in your neck of the woods, Reese, Four Hands. Four Hands in St. Louis has one on here. It's called Felix and Milo. Oof, I don't think I've heard of that you one. Ever- you haven't heard of that one so mm. apparently I, I don't know if it's still out right now but it's a it's a belgian style saison that's spiced with rose petals and oh i don't even know how to say uh szechuan peppers berries is uh, that how you say it szechuan i i couldn't tell you without taking a peek at it. i'll look it up really quick <laughs> uh s-z oh szechuan c-h Szechuan, okay. Szechuan pepperberries, uh, and is infused with mango. You gotta get some of that Szechuan pepper pepperberries for the dipping sauce. Is that a Rick and Morty reference? Yeah, totally Rick and Morty reference. Yeah, I only figure that out from your impersonation, but I don't know the reference to the actual episode. Oh, it's great. There's like one episode where he's inside his own mind making a fake memory and like he dreams of like the Mulan movie tie-in dipping sauce from like the 90s. And because of that, (laughs) it was a big enough thing that like McDonald's actually re-released it. 
But then when they did, it caused like literal riots at McDonald's from like the toxic fan base people that were like, you know, really wanted to get the sauce, which don't get me wrong. I love Rick and Morty. I have some toxic qualities about myself, but like I would never do that, you know? So <laughs> anyway, that's that's your Szechuan dipping sauce fun fact for the episode. There we go. I love that. That's, that's why people subscribe to this podcast so they can learn about the McDonald's mania Szechuan sauce. Get, get some of that <laughs> Mulan dipping sauce. <laughs> anyway, here's another here's another one that we've we haven't reviewed uh, this particular beer, but this brewery Four Noses in Broomfield, Colorado, um, oh, yeah. Sticks and Stones, a sour brown ale with peaches and cinnamon. That sounds really good. Uh, Four Noses. I'll have to take you there, Reese, when you uh, when you come out here. Absolutely. There's a lot of breweries for us to try. So a ton of Colorado stuff, and and of course some love for our Missouri guys beforehand hey, so yeah it's actually a pretty legit list i'll send it to you there's a lot of great beers in here like um you know stuff that i didn't talk about that are really good like uh jay wakefield uh it's a brewery in florida cerebral in colorado there's a lot of great stuff beer shots on here oh i forgot to talk about beer shot beer shot all it says is beer shot all the hype all so the they don't hype. even like pick a beer they literally just say everything is super good there <laughs> okay any boulevard beers in the list I did not see any Boulevard on the list. All right, list is invalid. Don't count it. Throw it out. <laughs> Keep it out of the hall. Wait, fame. Fire Firestone Walker though is Duval. Yeah, Firestone Walker is Duval USA. Yeah, what do they got? We do have a Firestone Walker on here. Primal Elements. Primal Elements. I don't know if I heard about Let's that one. Let's see. Primal Elements is a. Do, 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 do. It's a sour ale uh, that has mild acidity that melds so nicely with pineapple, mango, and tangerine. In fact, the brewmaster and owner of Russian River was the one that recommended this beer. They're making some crazy good stuff out of Firestone Walk. I mean, hats off to those brewers. They really know what they're doing out there. Yeah, Reese. So even if Vinny Solurzo, owner and brewmaster at Russian River, says that Firestone Walker is legit, it's got to be legit. So shout out to our to our Duval brothers out there. How about that? Heck yeah. Love to hear it. Repping strong. All right. And without further ado, let's switch sides, Reese. You uh, lead the categories and I'll do the beer drinking. All right. So Armando's going to review a beer for us today. And for those of you at home, we do our beer reviews a little bit different. We have five categories that we grade our beers on from one to ten. And these categories are aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. So Armando, before we begin, what beer will you be reviewing for us today? I'll be drinking the 2019 Silver Winner at GABF's Double IPA category, Westbound and Down Double IPA. Who's that from? Westbound and Down this is from Idaho Springs. Wait, wait, it's just called Double IPA? Yeah, they just it's called Westbound Double IPA. Yeah, they they did, did not mince words. Wow. Okay, that's like, you know, people always say hey, give me a Boulevard wheat, but like it's not called Boulevard wheat. It's just called unfiltered wheat. That's crazy that it's just give me a Westbound and Down Double IPA. Cool. It's it's that good. They don't need to be creative. Wow. I mean, obviously it speaks for itself. So then without further ado, how about you pour that Double IPA in a glass and let us know what the aroma's like on it? All right. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Idaho Springs, like we talked about, a really small town, but this brewery must have opened up about five, six years ago, and really just all the hype, like 
in the in the best way a lot of clean beer great beer um they're mixing a lot of different stuff and and this guy i'll talk about but uh yeah great brewery down there if you all ever want a, tr- a cheap trip out to the mountains so we're not talking like vale aspen like idaho Springs, glenwood springs these are all like cheaper towns that you can go to with gorgeous views so wow all right let's do this so what are we doing uh aroma, aroma. Yeah, Roma on this, pretty good. We get a lot of grapefruit. We get some dankness. We a little bit of sweetness, but uh, more prominent qualities on this guy. This isn't a hazy. It's just a double, uh, but it's definitely West Coast in style. So um, not a lot of tropical notes like I normally love, but uh, definitely a lot of more dank, more green to the scent. Uh, great for the style though. So 9.2. Wow. 9.2 coming right off of there. Now you got to tell us next category about the appearance. Cause that looks like a crispy, delicious, crystal clear double IPA. And you know, if you're looking Reese, you can still see the bubbles coming up. I just got this yesterday. I don't know when it was canned, but must've been recently. Cause oh, yeah. that carbonation is wild, man. They are making uh, yeah. a flight for the top of that glass. It's beautiful. So yeah, this is a nice, nice, a golden brown. It's not too dark. It's actually very translucent for a double IPA. So pretty good head retention. Like I was saying, the carb is just going up. This is going to be crispy as I can already tell. Uh, I think this is the first time I'll try it too. So I don't even have any preconceptions of it. I had another beer out there uh, at their bar while I got the four pack. Um, this looks pretty cool. I mean, normally with the double IPA, you're going to see a lot more going on in the glass, but for it to be this clear is actually, uh, quite outstanding. It's hard to get a clean beer when you add more product to it. So, uh, a solid nine on that looks beautiful. All right. Number nine, looking fine. And then category three, your favorite category flavor. What kind of notes are you getting on that double IPA? Yeah. Uh, untapped says the hops are the following galaxy mosaic cairo mosaic no idea what that is and vic secret hop vic secret like vic fangio's secret stuff is that what this or is like victoria's secret oh no why did i go to vic fangio because <laughs> <laughs> you want him to be our defensive coordinator yeah this does no, this is obviously his secret hop dude that's why that's why he uh <laughs> went to coach denver he wanted to grow hops and beer <laughs> Him and Vinny Del Negro, man, the two best coaches in the beer brewing game. Oh, gosh. Uh, Vic Sigrid's from Australia, introduced in 2013. I won't look at the qualities of the hop, so it doesn't ruin what I'm about to taste. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, that's new to me. I've never heard of that hop before. Vic Secret. I mean, spoiler alert, if it's an Australian hop, it's probably going to be pretty fruity. Okay, so prominence is still that dank flavor, the foresty flavor, green flavor, but... You know what? A pretty good essence of tangerine. Um, not a lot of pineapple, which is what I would normally get from Mosaic, but I'm getting more of that that orange rind. And you know what's weird? I get a little bit of blueberry. Really? Blue. I don't know where that's from. Again, I've never had Vic Secret or Cairo Mosaic, but I wonder if one of those gets me the blueberry. Uh, when's the last time I talked about blueberry? I don't know. We have a blueberry IPA in the beer hall right now. It's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know why. Oh, I guess blueberry because of the acidity would go well with IPAs. But yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I would never put the two together, but that actually tastes really good. It's a really good blend of of the sweetness and the dank. Uh, way way more dank though than any sweetness that I'm getting on it. 
But again, for the style, that's amazing. Uh, ooh, really good. How about 8.7? All right, 8.7. Going to take you to heaven. Then category number four, which is mouthfeel. What is the mouthfeel like on that beer considering how carbonated and effervescent it looked in your glass? Yeah, super crispy. I mean, really crispy, really bright, really sharp as well. I mean, the dankness that you've tasted on the flavor is just biting the tongue. Um, obviously counterbalancing that sweetness. Uh, you know me. I'm a sweet guy. Yeah, you are. Not too much of a, you know, I don't want the dank, dank, dank beer. Um, this is very dank on the on the tongue, though. Um, so just for my preference, I'm sure people will love it, but uh, 7.1 Se- for me on mouth, mouthfeel. Interesting. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, that's like, oof, oof, I have to like scrape my tongue after this one. Wow, I mean, you said you're a nice, do you say you're a soft guy? Is that what you said? I'm a soft guy. <laughs> I'm a soft, I am a soft guy, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm a nice guy, I think is what I oh, said, right? Maybe maybe my maybe my brain went somewhere and I was thinking, I was going to make some joke about like, <laughs> no, I was going to make some joke about like you enjoying a nice cuddle and, and cuddling is soft, therefore you like soft mouth feels, you know, just, I don't know, man. Armando, Armando likes cuddling. He's a soft boy. Oh, cuddling is, cuddling is so nice. You just get right up there and whisper in their ear and go, Oh gosh! Yeah, so uh, there goes our ASMR careers. Uh, we're not going to miss it. All right, category number five then is uh, aftertaste. I know ASMR kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth. So what kind of taste in your mouth does this beer leave you? <laughs> yeah, the aftertaste is really more of that tropical fruit because of the the dankness of the beer on the front half. I think you're like, I'm just making this up, but it's like my like tongue is weeding through it to get to the sweetness. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, dankness, why don't you stay on this part of the tongue? All right, okay. All right, now we have the finish. It really is different on the finish. Way more tangerine, way more blueberry, way more. Now I kind of get some of that pineapple that I was talking about, all these tropical fruits. Um, and for those of you that are playing at home and, and haven't really listened, I know in the beginning of the podcast, like in our inception, I talked a lot about like the different hops, but just to remind the audience that hops don't actually have any of these things in there, right? There is, there are, there is no blueberries. There are no tangerines. There is, there's no pineapple. It's, it's just the flavor that you get from the hop, which is why there are so many different strands that give off so many different flavors, just in case we have some new, new, uh, people here right it's all just the blending of the hops that's why it's it is a science to like try to find the combination of the hops and stuff to get the right flavor so mad respect to our brewers out there uh but anyway yeah really sweet going down and i i I enjoy that i think it's nice to weed out all that dankness on the front half so 8.7 all right 8.7 then category number six the not so secret category bdq which stands for blueberries delicious quenching my thirst bdq big stonks drinkability (laughs) quotient armando in your own words how does this beer make you feel you know i 
I respect it because, again, this is just a random mountain town in Colorado. It doesn't have, you know, a lot of stuff going for it other than, you know, obviously beautiful sites. Um, they have Bojo's, a great pizza place down there, and Westbound, which actually is making its way throughout or throughout the beer culture here in Colorado on the West Coast. So really shout out to them for making something and making something of substance out of nowhere. So Westbound and Down, kudos to you. This is a great beer, a fun beer. It's a little cold outside, so it's nice to have a little high ABV one. It's says 8.5 ABV. Um, gets gets me in a nice chill mood. So how about a straight up nine for BDQ? That's a vi- stonkability quotient, perhaps. Thank you, Walt Whitman, for that beautiful description of how this beer makes you feel. Now I gotta ask, just because I called him out earlier, uh, is Tommy Knocker still a thing in Idaho Springs? Tommy Knockers is still there, yeah. Um, wait, uh, yeah, Idaho Springs, and it's known for their, uh, what is it, the chili beer, I think, one time I had it? I think so. I actually couldn't drink when I was in Central City. I was uh, under the right. legal age. <laughs> but alas. But alas, uh, I've had their beer outside of there, and they I had their root beer was the thing. They made good root beer, so delicious. <laughs> Did you just say root beer and not root beer? Uh, I don't know why I started saying, I started saying I think it's a Missouri thing. I think I used to say root beer, oh, but like now no. I say root beer. Kind of like how people were like, it's down in the crick. And I'm like, what do you mean the crick? They're like, yeah, where you wash your clothes. I'm like, where are you getting all this stuff from? So, <laughs> you know, it's coming out. The Missouri in me is coming oh, out. Oh, the Reese, referee's root beer. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right. We are back to talk about the unfortunate uh, Bengals-Chiefs game. Uh, You know, not unfortunate going forward. I still love the Chiefs. I I have no doubts about them going forward. But let's put a button on this game, Reese, and then we will uh, then we'll talk about the Chiefs going forward and what and what the playoffs look like, etc. So Reese did his rant. And now I'm going to do my rant about our boy, defensive coordinator Spags. Now, Reese. Oh man, what to say what to say about Spags? You know what's been crazy is that the system that he has used that he used for the Bengals worked for other teams, right? The past 8 games we've looked great with our blitz packages. Our cornerbacks have looked great. And with all that, I applaud Spags before this game, right? We like I don't want this to be like a coming out of nowhere Spags, like how dare you? You've been awful. No, you've you've been good like for a good amount of this um, amount of this time. But you have to learn when to stop. You have to learn when to adjust. You have to learn when your what you think is your strong suit You have to say, okay, you know what? After 150 yards that Jamar Chase has in the first half, okay, maybe we should change things. And for him not to say that pisses me off, Reese. This game was an atrocity. And an atrocity because we beat ourselves. Yes, the refs beat us, but you know what? We beat ourselves. I'm just going to bring up one play that kind of antithesizes what happened, Reese. We had that one Jamar Chase. Um, he was, oh, I think this was the third quarter. Jamar Chase, no one near him. Easy catch. It was like a 60-yard run. Let's talk about that play. So, we all know that Spags loves 
press coverage uh, man to man. And and we've seen that successful this year for most of the year. There's sometimes where we didn't see it, which I'll talk about. But for most of the year, Charvarius Ward, a fine cornerback. In fact, a, a Pro Bowl cornerback. Rashad Fenton, a fine cornerback. Legereus Sneed, an excellent, should be a Pro Bowler at some point. Legereus Sneed cornerback. Okay. But when Jamar Chase puts up so many yards on you, right? When you have an elite receiver who is a rookie, you have to be able to swallow your pride and say, our cornerbacks need help. And looking at that play, we had Dirty Dan on the right side of the field that was supposed to be helping Traverius Ward. We have Juan Thornhill on the other side helping out T. Higgins, who is a very good player, but only had three receptions at that point. We have Tyron Matthew playing in the box, Reese. Tyron Matthews playing in the box and Sorensen is playing deep safety? Are you kidding me? We talked about this before. You put Dirty Dan in a position to be athletic and you put Tyron Matthew, who is the athletic guy, you put him up in the box to then what looks like he's playing man coverage on their tight end. Are you kidding me? On a play like this, completely boneheaded and completely going with your script and saying, I will not change. Furthermore, Reese, we heard today Spag saying that he will not change much from the Bengals system to what they're going to do to the Broncos, which then I text our fountain fantasy people. Well, then you better invest in Jerry Judy because if Drew Locke, the only thing he has to do is one-on-one island, the, the chances are Jerry Judy's going to catch at least one thing, right? It, it, it wasn't like Jamar Chase was lighting us up blow after blow after blow. He just had very, he had huge plays, huge plays against uh, Traverius Ward and they were all, or Traverius Ward and Fenton, and they were always because they were on an island. Traverius Ward and Fenton were playing press coverage man, which for those that don't know, you're just you're basically lining up toe to toe with the wide receiver, one of the fastest, most athletic wide receivers we've ever seen in the history of football. And then to help him out, you have Dirty Dan, who's not even angled to Jamar Chase, just an awful angle, having to have him sprint over to Jamar Chase, which we know Dirty Dan cannot sprint, all the while having our most athletic deep safety in the box. And that is the antithesis of what happened. It was stupid. Spags, please, please, please. Not only do defenses now have a blueprint of how to beat the Chiefs with the rush four concept, but now we have another concept saying, okay, oh, Spags is just going to die on this hill of press man. Okay, cool. Hi, my name's Mike Williams. Oh, yeah, I've beaten you before. Okay, I'll just throw an island to Mike Williams, to Keenan Allen, right? These are people we're going to face in the playoffs, Reese, and this makes me scared because we're not going to lose these games because we're a bad team. We're beating ourselves up by not swallowing our pride. Yeah, I think what you said at the end there is a really good way to describe Spags is that his biggest weakness is that 
he has a really big problem swallowing his pride. That's why we didn't. That's why we saw Dan Sorensen getting 100% of snaps against Buffalo, which was what was that week five, week six, maybe? Mm, yeah, week, week, week five. five yeah. So the fact that he wouldn't pull Sorensen out for Juan Thornhill, even if Juan was just kind of showing up at camp, being the presumed starter like he was allegedly, it's like, dude, at a certain point, you're costing us games. And now Spags Hubris, you know, and like really bottoming out in the first five, six weeks of the season, it's now costing us when it comes down to getting the first seed. So I hope he's happy. And, uh, you know, like you said, I thought we learned after the Buffalo game and the, you know, the Tennessee game in particular that Sorensen can't be left on an island like under any circumstance period under any circumstances he can't be left on an island and yet what do you do this play you dial up man coverage Dan plays underneath the receiver again which is inexplicable to me why does he like doing that does he think he's Marcus (laughs) Peters and you just like ball hawk everything I mean what a klutz (laughs) what's really frustrating on that front is that Dan's been playing pretty good as that hybrid safety linebacker, particularly in blitz situations. But if Spags is going to be insisting on still putting him out there in free safety coverage, then I need Dan Sorensen off this team. Like he he's not even worth it at that point. If he's going to be like not just like a big play liability, but like a straight up touch free touchdown liability. So that's my problem number one. Problem number two. What did you think about not putting any double coverage on Jamar Chase throughout the rest of the game? boneheaded absolutely boneheaded and to furthermore that reese that also attributes to spags keeping with the freaking blitz packages i don't know if you went back and saw the film or anybody go back chris jones was having a freaking day our front four actually looked legitimate you only blitz for a surprise third down fine or you blitz when the front four can't get to the quarterback. But our front four was getting to the quarterback, which means that you didn't have to put these people on an island. This never was meant to happen. You can do to the Bengals what most teams do to the Chiefs. Cover two, cover two, cover three, and let the front four beat an awful offensive line in the Cincinnati Bengals. But of course you say, no, I believe in my guys. We believe in them too, except they're playing the like second coming of randy moss yeah well no i i totally agree with you i like the randy moss comparison because that's what he looks like you know he's, he's got speed for a dude his size he can high point the ball and i mean he literally mossed our guys a few times like i'm gonna be honest like our cornerbacks didn't play poorly a lot of times they were there but jamar chase was just having like an all-time game now i must put an addendum on here uh, as good as his 50-point game was this week, it wasn't quite as good as Tyreek Hill's 57.9-point game against Tampa Bay week 12 last year. But who's counting? Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to I make this clear. Uh, Jamar Chase is outstanding. And from that first touchdown he had when like he outran like Juan Thornhill even, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, like, this, I'm like, this kid's good. I'm like, period. I'm like, this kid's good. He's going to be a problem. And I thought from that moment, Spags would adjust and he might send some double coverage and he might do anything to kind of bracket because you know like Higgins and Boyd are on that team too and like they're good but they're not like you know they're kind of like Chase Claypool Juju Smith Schuster kind of good they're more possession receivers they're not going to blow you up the way Jamar Chase is so I don't know man when when Spag's contract comes due at the end of this year if this if this season ends because of a defensive gap or defensive gaff I really think 
we need to look at moving on from spags after this year yeah i mean yeah this this doesn't uh we don't have to go too much into that but i totally agree with you because this is now for me our biggest weakness going to the playoffs is how will we scheme certain people right like for example someone like the uh the uh, the occults so you have michael pittman jr uh, who is a pretty good wide receiver, not Jamar Chase. But if you decide to put Pittman on an island with Traverius Ward 90% of the time, Carson Wentz will find him at least twice, right? For all two Michael of Pittman will <laughs> Exactly. Right. Like, and, and, and that's what's scary is that we can lose to an average quarterback if you put elite receivers or good receivers on an island even going you know now we're hearing freaking derrick henry's coming back god forbid we see ryan Tannehill establish the run game with henry and then spags you know puts the brakes on double coverage and starts to blitz okay who else does ryan have oh yeah julio jones and aj brown okay any more of this island mumbo jumbo is going to get us into huge trouble going forward in the playoffs. And that's what scares me because our front four is actually good now, right? That, that, that was our biggest concerns. Our cornerbacks are good. Like you said, I'm, I'm not saying that Traverius Ward played a bad game or Fenton did, but if you put them on an island with an elite receiver and they're targeting them 12 times and they catch 11 of them, what happened to Jamar Chase, we're in trouble. We're in trouble in the playoffs, Reese. Well, <laughs> I'm so close to saying the E word that I promised myself I'd like never say and just like, you know, break in case of emergency. The fact of our front four you keep mentioning, it's like I don't think there's many teams in the NFL that can say they have a better front four or wouldn't trade their front four. Because if, if we're talking, Agreed. we got Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, Melvin Ingram. You're not going to ask. Maybe only the Rams. Yeah, maybe maybe the Rams. Like, there, there's not too many. So in our case, if you want to send an extra guy, if you want to send the safety in, send Dan Sorensen in to blitz on third and twenty-seven, and that send Neiman. and that's your blitz. That's fantastic. Keep everybody back there. If you can't get pressure with those five, then hats off that offensive line, or like kudos to that Lamar Jackson level elusiveness quarterback going on over there. But I mean, there really shouldn't be any other reason outside of maybe like goal to goal situations where you're sending more than five with this caliber of front four and i really mean that yeah and look you you only blitz that much when you're confident that you're going to destroy the quarterback this doesn't have to be a joe burrow pod both both of us agree that joe burrow is a good quarterback but not an elite quarterback i wouldn't even say i mean oh man i don't want to go into rankings but maybe like upper top 10 or about 10 maybe joe burrow but if you have a maybe 10 quarterback that can throw one-on-one that's all you need to beat the chiefs in this situation if spag says yeah we're gonna we're gonna rump and rally them we're gonna make ward and fenton deserve their paycheck which is what it seems like and then we're gonna like we're gonna put honey badger somewhere that he normally isn't just to for you know giggles well and here's one big difference you know uh spag said leading up to this game that joe burrow like the guy's like tom brady uh but here's the thing it's true in the sense of brady really doesn't make bad throw like dumb throws and make mistakes yeah burrow yeah, really he was, doesn't he was a very good decision maker yeah. yeah burrow really doesn't make dumb throw mistakes 
However, on the flip side, Brady is not good against the Blitz. Joe Burrow actually is good against the Blitz. So what yeah, do you do in that? around very well. Yeah, so, so like with an offensive line that was that porous, it's like you shouldn't have to focus on Blitz to getting to Joe Burrow. And that was the case for a large port of, you know, portion of the game. So I don't know why he felt the need to send cover zero Blitz against a guy who was torching us and against a guy who you know doesn't make bad mistakes under pressure there's there's another point i want to make before we move on reese um after the game this is another uh hot take mondo nuance argument Mm -hmm. i heard honey badger say going into the week our number one thing is how are we going to respond that was their theme on defense no one's talked about that I'm going to talk about it right now. Why is your theme on defense? How are we going to respond? Like, like, wait, are you, are you going in with this fatalistic mindset of saying, you know what? They're probably going to beat us. Spags talking about Burrow being the next Tom Brady or Reesing. Are, are they going in with this fatalistic mindset already before the game? I mean, why would you want that to be the theme going into the game? Like you are prepping for that. They are going to dominate us at some point but how are you going to respond i'm like wait 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 a minute that shouldn't be it you should be able to shut down a second year quarterback with a rookie wide receiver yes they are good but we have juan thornhill which you didn't use we have honey badger which you put in the box but no you put you know dirty dan on him it's just it's just like why why would that be your theme i I had a bone to pick with that. Maybe no one else did. I thought that was fishy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And obviously, you know, the answer was he didn't respond very well because Spags didn't adjust anything. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And uh, I, I think the real question now is how are we going to respond next week against Denver? Are we going to see the defense we saw weeks 8 through 15? Or, you know, are we going to see a defense unravel and start not trusting each other, particularly guys named Dan Sorensen and Ben Eamon. We will stay tuned, Reese, to see what happens there. Uh, why don't we do a quick prediction, though, Reese? So this was supposed to be a pretty shoo-in game for us. Um, it still should be a pretty easy game, but the implications are massive, so that could really screw us up. Uh, but the Broncos are uh, have lost three straight, I believe, all with Drew Locke uh, against pretty good teams, but still, they've, they've lost a, a ton of games. Uh, but Reese, what is your prediction on a Saturday afternoon? Um, you know, I think Andy's kind of let the dogs out a little bit with the offense the past two weeks in particular. I can see this week he really keeps a more tight to the chest game plan i think points are going to be kind of in short supply for us Uh, i don't trust drew lock i think tyron matthews an interception against him every time he's played him so you know i i can see a very similar game what we saw the first time this year uh and that being said i could see this being like a 23 to 16 or 23 to 17 chiefs yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say pretty similar there uh although the chargers just lit them up 34 to 13 uh i would hope that we can put up about the same amount that the chargers can um so how about 35 to i'm gonna say javante williams still has a game because that that game plan worked for us like we 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 let them run on us but we just shut down everyone else and Mm -hmm. if that works i i don't mind that javante williams has a game on us 
So, yeah, what did I say? Uh, 35 to 14. All right. 35, 14. Hope you're right. I hope I'm right, too. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for some more content. Uh, we are out now. Risa, doing anything this weekend before the game? Or uh, I guess during now, it's a Saturday, not a Sunday. So first strike being the fact that they flex us to Saturday, <laughs> which gives the Titans a chance to rest their players on Sunday. Yeah, if anything happens, should we lose? When that was never the case before, cueing Kevin Harlan calling both games. And number two, flexing us to Saturday is a huge kicking the teeth for people that have already paid money and planned their vacation days out to go and fly out to Denver for a Sunday game. You know, it, it really changes their schedules and those kind of things. So it's just like, I, I don't know why they didn't flex a Saturday game for, I don't know, two teams that don't matter that aren't going to make the playoffs this year, something inconsequential. I mean, any sort of rating on a Saturday is better than no rating on a Saturday. So I just don't know why they chose us. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm actually I have to sing on Saturday, so I'm going to miss a part of the game, but I'll I'll catch up to it later. Uh, yeah, so uh, interesting game. Hopefully uh, everyone pray to uh, whatever you believe in that the that the Texans beat the Titans, baby. That's all we're hoping for this weekend. Uh, and until then, we'll see you next time. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 